and we are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me today for a live episode of The Blind View. I am your host, Rebecca Meadows, and I have T.P. Lucas joining me and a couple other friends who I met at the convention are going to try to join us later on, and Gino can just let them into the show if they if they uh, wind up getting time to join us. Um, but And Gino's also going to participate in today's show because Gino was at the NFB convention, and since that's the really big thing that happened in all our lives recently, we're just going to talk about that and some of the stuff that happened there and that's happened since. Um, so we're going to get started. How are you today, TP? I'm all right. And yourself, how you feeling? Oh, I'm I'm starting to feel better. I actually got the I contracted the coronavirus at the convention that I went to. TP, I'm glad you didn't go because you would have probably gotten it. Yeah, and I have underlying conditions, so we can do without that. I'm okay yeah. without all of that. But I yeah. I mean, the news about the convention has traveled so fast all around the country. All the blind people I know have heard about things that happened out there. Um, I, I just, from what I understand, um, the NFB really dropped the ball this year. Yeah. And, and I, you know, this wasn't my first rodeo. This wasn't my first NFB convention. I actually went to several NFB national conventions before the virus ever hit and before we ever thought about doing virtual conventions. And, and the NFB used to be really great at putting on these conventions and I really am confused about why everything that went so wrong this last time went so terribly wrong. Because there were a lot of important balls that were dropped and a lot of innocent people were hurt very badly. And, um, and it really makes me sad to see that, that that NFB didn't take responsibility for any of the stuff that went on at the convention. Did you get the final count on the vehicle pedestrian uh, accidents? So the day after I got to the convention, I was in the elevator and I heard from somebody that three blind people had already been hit by cars out in front of the hotel. Mm -hmm. And I was alarmed. And that was the day after I arrived. That was Wednesday, right? Right. Now, and of course, other people we're getting hit later on in the week. But the final tally that I heard after the week was done was that a total of 10 blind people were hit by cars in front of the hotel. And I heard that one blind man was beat up by a homeless person or a homeless drug addict or somebody, a, a street person in New Orleans. That he was, This blind man was beat up right in front of the entrance to the hotel and and fortunately someone found him there and anyway when the convention was over and then fb split new orleans they left that man in recovering in icu is what i heard and i don't even know which affiliate that man is with but but i know a lot of people who've come down with the virus because of the the covid protocols that weren't followed properly at the convention right so, um, now I, Gino and I did, we're responsible. We, we got our COVID tests, what was it, 24, 48 hours before, uh, mm-hmm. before we went to the um, convention. So we knew we didn't have the virus before we got to the convention. But I found out after we were there that there were people 
who were being allowed to come to the convention not having a clean test and they were allowed to come in and get a test at the convention. And I guess the theory is that those people let the virus in. I'm, some of them I'm thinking, it. I'm thinking, I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, because I didn't get to make mm. it. I really tried everything that I could to get there. But I, from, from the outside looking in, just from my, my blind point of view, um, it appears that this year's convention was about recouping monies that was lost from not being able to have monies that would have been made without COVID. You know what I'm saying? So it's like instead yeah. of uh, instead of the, the cause uh, in effect for the convention, instead of the reason for it even being a convention, it's, it's almost like, okay, we need to make this money back that we didn't get to make during COVID. So they was more after the buck instead of after um, the, the cause. That's what it seems yeah. like to me. And honestly, that was something I was concerned might happen before we even left for the court or left for the convention. And um, because the NFB is a charitable organization, right? They don't, it's not like the NFB produces products that they sell for profits and stuff, right? They make right. canes to sell to blind people at no profit to themselves, right? In right. fact, they give canes away to blind people for free. Right. Um, and and they, they provide so many other great tools and services to the blind community at no cost, um, tools that we can't get anywhere else. And they advocate for us. The NFB does a lot of great things for us, but yeah, they really did drop the ball on this convention. Um, and and it started at the top with Riccobono. Um, right. I, I I've been watching that man cut so many corners for so many years now and do so much stuff um, that's not for the be- better of the blind community at large, in my opinion. Um, I I just have a lot of problems with a lot of the stuff that I saw go on before and after this convention. I. I think I'm going to um, drop out of the NFB and I'm going to go look into the American Council for the Blind. You know, I did try to join the ACB before um, because I really loved being a member of the NFB the first few years. And mm-hmm. and I really loved their message. And, and I'm a huge advocate for myself and for my fellow blind people. And so I want to be involved, but I want to be involved in a group that is really doing good things for the blind, right? I want to be involved with a group that's really for for advocacy for, for blind people and not a group that's that's leaving some blind people behind and and who's treating some blind people like what I saw go on at this convention. Um, well, and, I must admit, you so. definitely, since I've been blind, have been the main source of information plus, uh, you know, uh, the... the inspiration to do better you know you, you got my back you showed me how to how to do this with, with with my head up you know what i'm saying yeah and that's because a big part of what i learned as an nfb mem- a member of the nfb and and what i learned to fighting my own battle right to get independence right and and but that's why it was so cool for so long being a member of the nfb because of the strength that we had in our numbers because there's so many of us who had our own struggles and we, we overcame our own things and we share that with the whole community and it really helps the body as a whole. And, and the NFB re- used to be really good at that kind of stuff and I just don't see it anymore. 
And and I'm really worried that they're like you're talking about that they're putting their focus their focus on monetizing on the organization. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like um, yeah. you know, for instance, Goodwill. Now Goodwill is they, they, they take in free donations, they clean up stuff, and then they sell it to the public. Now they after they after they pay their employees and overhead and everything, you know, the actual charitable contribution is like somewhere uh, uh, like five less than ten percent you see what i'm saying uh-huh. yeah so a lot of these charitable uh, organizations they still have to count on funding to pay the people that's running the organization and so mm-hmm. the actual charity get the short end of the stick you know what i'm saying right and i understand that the nfb has missed out on a lot of donations the last few years and a lot of contributions from our members because normally at like the annual convention is when they raise a lot of their money and they haven't been able to do that the last couple of years because they've always been able to do the virtual stuff but then too i think their expenses have been a lot lower too so um, right but but anyway the nfb has really screwed up and like i said i'm gonna start looking into the American Council for the Blind, and like, like I said, I did look into the council a couple, like, in 2016, I think it was, I started trying to find a, a member of the ACB in Arizona that I could um, go to a meeting and get connected with my local ACB chapter and become a member of that group too, just because I love, I love being a member of the NFB, I love meeting my fellow blind Americans and comparing notes and, and sharing ideas with each other and, and collaborating and stuff. Right. And, and I love all of, because all of the victories we have, each of us have our victories we share with each other and it just makes us all so much stronger. And I've really loved that as an NFB member. And so I'm going to seek out, like I said, the American council for the blind. Um, so if you happen to be a member of the ACB, would you send me a message on how to join? Because I like, like I said, like, like in 2016, I really made a huge effort to find someone in the ACB and find out where there was a meeting I could go to. And I was never able to get a straight answer from anybody. So I wonder if there's maybe a website that the ACB has. So if anybody knows, please email me at info at bluebutterflyenterprises.com because I would really love to become a member of the ACB. You know, it's, um, I mean, because you got these two different organizations, both catering to the advancement of blind people, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they have organizations to help us like that. But, um, you know, I don't see at all well, but I hear very well. I hear things. Now, uh-huh. just to show how different we are not as blind people, we're, we're, we're not different from sighted people. Because from what I understand, there are groups of blind people that uh, are hate-based, that 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 that, oh. that uh, are, are, are actually racist, to be exact. Really? Uh, you, yeah, I, I'm like, how do you know who not to like if you can't see? <laughs> who, did you talk to? who did you who did you talk to that was a blind racist? I mean, I know some, but but. <laughs> No, I was just saying, I, I, I heard about, like, there's a group of blind Nazis. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm really? How do they know com- who There's they a hate? blind communist party that we ran into some, member- into some members of the blind communist party at the convention. 
Yeah, and right. I guess there was a group of blind Nazis too, and yeah. This, I'm, I'm I'm like though. How do you how do you know who you how do you you can you can't know who not to like. You you can't TV, even see. TV, that's what I love about the blind community is it's just a it's like a picture image of the human race only on a smaller scale, right? And because right. we're all blind, we have that extra con- human connection, and I just think it's great. Don't yeah. You? Yeah, I, I mean that's just one of the things about being blind that I found to be funny. You know, uh, blind racist—that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> How do you, I mean, you don't even—I mean, you—you you, you know what I'm saying? That—that <laughs> that is hilarious. Racism is hilarious to begin with, but to be blind oh, and racist—racism racism is funny. plain ignorance. That's what makes racism it funny is to me. Ignorance, yeah, it's just—it's like. I, I, Oh the people God, that are racist, they really believe dumb shit. That's what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, but wow. The really sad thing is how far they take it, right? Because they miss out on a lot of opportunities in life because yeah. of their ignorance, their lack of ability to see things from someone else's perspective. I mean, there are a lot of dead races. Else that would be alive today had they just took black blood or black kidney. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But, that, but they chose to die. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, nobody miss them. Good riddance to bad rubbish is what I say. Amen um, and amen again. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. What else? Oh, no. Um, talk to me. You you tell me about... So- um, so uh, I want an elevator experience. Yes, the elevators at the convention were just crazy, and I think Gino is going to be joining us to talk about the elevator. So I'm just going to start talking, Gino, and just jump in whenever you want, Mike. I'm here. Okay, yeah. So the elevators at the convention, like it, I I found it really frustrating because, like, you go into the elevator bay. Like on the lobby was the in the lobby was the worst. You go into the elevator bay, and I was up on the seventh floor, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of getting being able to get into any elevator in the bay and push seven and go to the seventh floor, I had to push. I had to select the seventh floor from a panel on the outside of the elevators in the elevator bay, and it didn't talk unless you pushed the accessibility button and I didn't even find out about the accessibility button until the second or third day I was there so I was completely lost and oh wow with the elevators for the first few days but what when you figured it out what you were supposed to do was push the accessibility button which had braille on it right and then you had to feel up on the panel to find like seven was my floor so I'd push seven right Mm -hmm. and then it would say baby take car K or whatever letter it chose to yell out, right? Mm-hmm. And and I didn't know which one was car K, but over the days I realized that the, that the elevator K or whatever door it happened to be I should, should be looking for would also chime, right? So there right. was a chiming noise, but that chiming noise was echoing really bad. And there were other elevator bays nearby that were chiming too. So as a blind person, it was just all this different chiming going on, and so the tones just confused me but then i realized like the second or third day i looked up and i saw a light flash above the elevator and that was the elevator that someone said right after get in that elevator that's what you need right Right. so then i realized that not only was there a tone i could listen for 
but there was also a flashing light I could watch for. And so over as, as the week went on, I got better at using the elevators. Uh, but I did notice it was a lot easier using the elevators up on the higher floors where there wasn't so much congestion and noise. Right. Um, and and the housekeeping was really frustrating because I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting housekeeping for the first several days. And and when I tried to call down to the front desk to get any information, they wouldn't answer the phone. I think they were ignoring us because I think they were really overwhelmed with the convention. Yeah, they probably were understaffed incredibly. Yeah, but they're like, so let me see. There was Carrie and Terrence were two of the hotel staff that I met early in the week. Carrie and Terrence. Carrie was a female and then there was Terrence. He's a man, right? Mm -hmm. But Terrence was a bellman and Carrie worked with housekeeping. And I saw them multiple times throughout the week and they knew my name. So they would say to me, they'd call me by name. So I knew that they were talking to me, right? And they would ask me if I needed any help, right? So so Carrie would uh, get me some housekeeping, right? Or Terrence would help me get whatever, right? right. And, and I've learned to do that at other conventions in the past. And I'm sure all the people at the convention do that, that they, they might wind up making friends with different members of the hotel staff that help them throughout the week. And, but, but so the hotel staff was really great. Um, but it was a really poor planning job on the part of the NFB as a place to do the convention. Um, right. So it was, uh, the we were in the Marriott and um, the hotel across the street was called the Sheraton and it was the Overflow Hotel. Mm-hmm. And the address for the Marriott was 222 East Canal Street in uh, New Orleans. It was our first trip to New Orleans and that was awesome. And I want to go back and check out New Orleans again, probably during Mardi Gras, right? Yeah, uh, February. Wait. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But I definitely want to wait until the virus is gone because I got back from the convention and I came back from the convention feeling sick, right? But I thought mm-hmm. I had a double ear infection and a sinus infection because I'm so prone to those when I fly, especially when, I, when I'm traveling in like cloudy, chilly climates like what there mm-hmm. was in new orleans right like i used to go to uh where did my sister on live salem oregon right and salem was always cloudy and and chilly every time i was there and so was gig harbor and and uh uh what's that and uh, uh what's that other city over there in washington spokane i think or no oh, seattle spokane. seattle and gig Har- you know over in seattle and gig harbor over on mm-hmm. the coast how it's really cold and chilly a lot well right. that's the way it was in new orleans and a lot of times when i travel when i fly especially in that climate i get a double ear infection and a sinus infection so that's what i thought i had but when i got back from the convention because i knew other people were coming down with the virus at the convention i went right away the next day and got a COVID test and as soon as i and i started uh, quarantine right away right even before i went because i was sure I had it and it got it was confirmed. So I've been quarantining for like a week right. and a half now. All right, and you sound better, so that's pretty good. So mm-hmm. uh wait, wait, did you tell me everything that about the elevators though? Um well I told you about the bell the chiming and I told you about the lights and I told you it was really busy and like like I said down in the on the lobby floor the ground floor 
it was really, really hard to hear which elevators were chiming. And it was so confusing down there. Um, so I usually did a lot better using elevators higher up. So, so it sounds like the NFB should have had uh, more sighted help for their guests. Well, so typically at these conventions, they have the UPS company. They have like thousands and thousands of their employees come to the convention to do just that. And they volunteer. And I believe that a few um, people from the UPS company did show up later in the week. But but by then, I think those of us were already starting to figure out the elevators a little bit. But it did help having complicated people down in the lobby um, directing traffic, right? And directing people uh, of where to go and stuff. Um, hey, Becca, um, Tamar just joined us, uh, but he, it looks like oh. he's on mute. Tamar, um, hello, like hello. Oh, there you are. Hi, Tamar. How are you? Oh, I'm great, my friend. How are you? <laughs> Very good. I um, I wanted to just, uh, you know, check in and see right. how everybody is. Ladies well, and gentlemen, hello. this is my friend Tamar from the convention. We did a VIP video <laughs> with him, and I don't think we put that one out yet. But it will be coming out, so make sure you guys are subscribed to Becca's World. How are you, Tamar? Oh, very good. How about you? Oh, I'm good. And actually, Gino, didn't we just put Tamar's VIP out? I think yeah, his VIP together. went out on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. He's Wednesday. already watched yeah. it. Told me he liked awesome. it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So, Tamar, do you want to tell our viewers about your experiences at the convention? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I had really uh, great time, uh, you know, meeting my old friends and making some new friends as well. Um, and, you know, getting to experience the new technology um, and participating in, um, you know, new, uh, you know, focus groups. Um, that was mainly my focus for the convention. Um, I wasn't really interested in learning about, um, you know, other technology, but like, I felt this year, they were like focusing a lot about um, um, like 3D modeling, which I'm mm -hmm. really thrilled about. Um, and mm -hmm. I, you know, one, um, uh, one focus group that I, uh, went, went, uh, you know, to do was the one from humanware. And I really enjoyed that, um, that broad display that we're, they working on. Um, it's like multiple. Can you tell our viewers about it and what it's called? Yeah. So it's called, um, it's the Holy Grail uh, uh multi-line braille display and okay. it can basically display graphics for you oh in braille in braille yes oh wow oh, cool. and uh like like back in the day i used to, and to do can, that can i do all the same stuff that the old braille could displays could do as well as the... yes yeah so oh, okay. you can basically connect it to compu a computer and you can like have all those images from the computer displayed on the braille display can can you believe that 
Yeah, yeah. I can get a grasp of the concept. So, but it, and it's like in three D modeling then. Correct. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yep. That's really so awesome. So what you're saying is you can touch it with your hand and feel what's on the screen. Correct. Correct. Oh man, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was a prototype. But it's not there yet. But I I got to test it, and it's it's you know it's uh it's the future. And, I'm telling you. And can you say the name of it for our viewers one more time so they, they can uh, go online and look up some information on it themselves? Correct. It's a it's a project in between APH American. Um, uh, printing House for the Blind. Printing yeah, correct, and uh, it, and Humanware. Okay, um, and it's called it's called the uh, Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. Holy yep. Holy Grail Braille display. Correct. Okay. Cool. Wow, it sounds like it's, the Holy Grail. It's, for, it's basically yeah. like four four lines, and it can basically display uh, graphics. Yep. It sounds amazing, and it. I and I'm sure there's a way that they can make, like, um, uh, maps, correct, um, re legible to blind people through that uh, technology, as yeah. well as all kinds of graphs and stuff, right? Of that course, we of can't course. see in our textbooks and stuff. I'm so telling you, it's it's, it's going to be great for future blind people. I mean, I remember back in the day, I used to have like 20 volumes of Braille books, but now with uh, this Braille display, it's like you don't have it's to. It's all do right that. there on a little card. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Braille and technology have come along. <laughs> I know. Um, I wish my Braille skills were better. I, I really Same wish here. that I would have learned Braille as a child. Like when I was 12 years old and I first went blind, I, I wish my parents would have. Stumbled on the NFB because the NFB has this awesome thing they call the Bell Program. Correct. Where they're actually, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. you know what the Bell Program is. Don't oh yeah, and, Braille enrichment and, for uh, literacy learning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All all members of the NFB know what the Bell Program is because mm -hmm. we all donate money to the Bell Program, and the Bell Program is something that NFB does. I believe they do it every summer. And, every summer, correct. And each affiliate, which means each state has, they do their own Bell Program, and that's where they take blind children like elementary age children in their state and they take them to like a summer camp location and they teach them braille so these kids can learn braille and use braille at school and, yep. and i and i really hope their parents are 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 forcing the schools to give their kids access to braille books because mm. braille books are so much easier for these schools to get their hands on now with this technology. If they simply buy their blind students these bra refreshable braille displays and, and figure out where they can get their textbooks in braille, they would set mm -hmm. these kids up for success. And that's what we need to start demanding for our blind students in this country because it just makes me so angry that they're being yes. left behind. And another topic they were talking about is making that Braille technology more affordable. Mm. Um, so they're basically talking about uh, how they can, uh, like, you know, talk to different, like, mm. school districts and, mm. uh, you know, educational uh, institutions to well, so pay for that. And the, these... So I went to public school as a blind student, and these public mm -hmm. schools, they develop these things called IEPs or something like Correct. that, these Correct. individualized education programs mm -hmm. for these students that need extra help. 
And in those IEPs or whatever they're called, they can write in, this student needs a refreshable braille display and this student needs braille lessons. And this, you know, they could be setting these children up for success rather than what I was offered in school and what so many other blind students are, are offered in school. And yeah. I, I really, you know, I'm starting to get a bigger voice and the bigger my voice gets, I'm just going to keep talking more and more about it because it's, it's a problem for me and it's a problem for any blind people out there who experience trying to go to school in this country. Yeah. Uh, I, I, supposed to be America. Yeah. And, uh, I, I believe I'm in the same, uh, situation. I, I feel as if I, I was in the same situation as you, Becca. Um, so I feel as if I did not advocate for myself back then, and I feel as if I, I wish I can like make the time go back, and I can like you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, and, and but, but as as blind adults, it's hello, that we have it's our job to advocate for these blind students who are going through this now and try to let them know what they're hello, Becca, your dog is barking. No, let me go try to shut the And up. Sailor just joined us. Okay, great. You guys can talk while I'm shutting the door. Hi, Sailor. That dog used to never say nothing. That was the scariest <laughs> dog on the planet. Now that dog don't shut up. That dog wouldn't Which say dog? nothing. The, the princess used to hide in the closet. It wasn't even princess. It was Duke, I think. No, Duke don't sound just... that big. That was a big dog. Okay. That so, was the precious of princess. Oh, hello. Hi, Sailor. Hello. Is Tamar still with us too? Can you hear yeah, me? I'm here. I'm here. Yep, I'm here. Okay. Hi, Sailor. Hi, Tamar. So this is Rebecca Meadows and TP Lucas is joining us from hello? Phoenix, guys. Okay, guys. So can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Sailor. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Okay. And Tamara, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And TP's with us, I believe. So Absolutely. To... Okay. So who wants to talk about their experiences at the convention then? Does anybody want to? I do. Okay. Go ahead, Sailor. Tell us the high points, high points and the low points of the convention for you, my friend. The high points of the convention, well, I definitely enjoyed... Um... The career fair got to meet a lot of employers. I especially enjoyed the entrepreneurs meetings. I met mm -hmm. a lot of people there who can show me how to start and run a good business. That's, that's my goal, right? To start my own business podcasting. And uh, um, the banquet was phenomenal, especially the banquet address. Uh, I enjoyed President Lickabongo's address. Especially how he talked about the struggles we've been through, especially the past couple of years through the COVID-19 and how far we've come as the Federation. Uh, mm -hmm. The low points, I could say I was not impressed with the location uh, of the convention because especially the, the street. Many of us had to cross between the Sheraton and the Marriott. 
It was so dangerous. And, and in fact, I heard at least 10 people got uh, hit by cars. And so the mm. location was a poor selection. But I mean, I guess no need to worry about that for next year because it's going to be here in Houston next year. And uh, just as long as the Hilton is a good location, I think we should be fine. But yeah, that, yeah. Uh, those, were, those were my highlights of the convention. Yeah, well, the, the NFB has a whole year to go to Houston and check out that hotel where they're planning on having it and scout out in the area and make sure that it's not a similar traffic situation to what we had in New Orleans earlier this month. And hopefully they'll do that so that if if there's a similar situation that they'll have time to make, you know, changes to a different hotel in Houston. Exactly. Um, um, so I'm really excited to go to the con convention in Houston next year. I've been to Texas several times and I love Texas. And and my friend um, Leon lives in Houston, or lives in Texas. I think he's in Houston, in fact, but he wasn't able to go to this convention. Uh, but hopefully by next year, he'll be able to go because it'd be great to have him at the convention too. Yeah. Gino, did you want to add anything about the hotel experience? Um, I, I mean, I mean, you guys are covering it quite a bit. Uh, I mean, if you want the sighted perspective, uh, yeah. like the elevators, you know, the there were significant problems with that because unless somebody knew to press the accessibility button, the elevators did not call out. They didn't call out what floor you were on because inside the elevators is a little LCD display. Um, so these elevators were not very uh, accessible from my assessment. Uh, also inside the elevators did not have a panel for the floors. It was locked. So uh, it, it seems like that was a huge problem right off the bat. And by the end of our trip, they actually had people, uh, they had workers in the elevators uh, controlling yeah. the elevators manually because it was such a problem. Uh, so I was, yeah. really, I was really surprised by that, that no one scouted this location out, or maybe they did, I don't know, to make sure that it was more accessible. Um, yeah. And then, uh, obviously, what was going on outside was was really shocking to me. You had three lanes, one-way traffic going one direction, three lanes going oh, another, yeah. separated by two lanes of a trolley car. That's unbelievably dangerous uh, for even sighted people trying to cross the street, let alone uh, non-sighted people. And the thing that I noticed that was really shocking is when we were at the intersections, I didn't see any accessibility features in those light, uh, no. uh, those stoplights. No. So you can't hear when it's time to walk. You can't hear when it's time yeah. to stop. Um, and if Tamar remembers the way we met Tamar, is Echo <laughs> uh, when when we were crossing the street with Tim, I looked over to my left and I saw Tamar in the middle of the intersection, uh, kind of spinning around, disoriented obviously because of the sensory overload he was probably experiencing from all the noise, and uh, and and I had told you and Tim stay right here, and I ran up to him, and I know you know uh, 
blind people don't like to be touched. And I said, I'm sorry, I have to grab you. And I'm like, you have to come with me right now. And I just told him to stop. Yeah, because he was move. about to be hit by one of those trolley cars. Well, yeah, I mean, those trolley cars aren't going fast, but they can't stop. Um, right. So, and, you know, and I, I would like to say that Tamara was an isolated incident, but uh, no, I actually had gone out in the street two other occasions uh, when I was just hanging out by myself and with my friend Lavelle that was with us. Um, there was a moment where three people were doing a train, uh, you know, where you had one person leading the other two grabbing on their shoulder and they're walking down the center lane of the one way street at oncoming traffic. Oh my. And, and it was very funny because it was two women and one, one man. And the one woman, when I, my friend and I ran out said, you're not, on the sidewalk you need to come with us and uh lady yelled out i knew we weren't on the sidewalk <laughs> and the other lady said this is why you don't follow a man anywhere <laughs> guys hold on i just dropped my earbud on the floor so it was a it was pretty interesting experience since this was my first convention because becca and i couldn't go to any of these during uh covid uh so it was it was definitely an experience um but you know so many of the friends that i've made over the years uh through becca uh, some that i got to talk to that were there have all expressed to me over the last you know week or two how upset they were with oh, how yeah. poorly the convention was handled well um, yeah they used to do a much better job at conventions than they did with this one yeah 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 and I, as a sighted person, I will say this. When I went to that banquet hall, uh, the uh, gallery or whatever, that they were holding all yeah. the general sessions, you know, yeah. I mean, I know they're handing out masks, but, you know, most people weren't wearing them. I mean, there was no, uh, you know, like, what was well, the point? Everybody, everybody who came to the convention was supposed to have a clear COVID test mm -hmm. before they got there. So there wasn't supposed to be any virus at the convention to be caught. Mm -hmm. but yeah, but, that, but, uh, but also uh, the fact that that hotel... Uh, I think it was, I forget who I was talking about this. They said, you know, the fact that they split up the uh, convention people mm -hmm. and the amount to both to two different hotels, uh, they should have found a hotel that they could have basically booked the entire thing because right. you can't control all the external people outside of the NFB. I mean, we already yeah. know that people were showing up, you know, Sunday that, that had COVID already that were mm -hmm. NFB members, but there yeah. were also, I mean, I, I heard that there was a swingers convention yeah. occupying three hotels. I mean, that's another thousand, you know, thousands of people, uh, mm -hmm. you know, who had right. no regard for anybody's, other, you know, health yeah. like yeah. I talked to people who met some of the swingers in the elevators, right? So yeah, there was a swingers convention going on and um, on it top was of passing around more than COVID then. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was a good old time for everybody. <laughs> Down there in the New Orleans, yeah. the Big Easy. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I want to go back to myself. New Orleans and see New Orleans in, mm -hmm. uh, like in a hotel. Yeah, but I, I but I'm no. I was just gonna say I just uh, say that I'm really glad you know of the uh, connections that we made. You know, I'm glad to meet right. Tamer and Sailor. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and yeah. some other people. So Sailor it was, was just, trying to say something, time. I think. Um, Sailor, were, like, honestly, um, I like New Orleans as far as its history that it has and, like, the music, the food, but 
I'm not impressed with the infrastructure at all. It is not a blind friendly city to live in one bit whatsoever. I would never live there myself. Nah, I'll just yeah, go there to I'm eat. A, I want to go back to Mardi Gras and not mm. for a convention. Mardi Gras is all right, but I, I myself prefer to go when they have the Essence Festival. Yeah. Oh, what's, yeah. The, what's the Essence Festival? It's a women's <laughs> festival. That's why I like it. It's full of women. Do they celebrate fragrance there? Is that what? No, es- no. It's Essence is a magazine, a woman's magazine. Oh, and they have a big oh, festival okay. there, and there's all kind of women from all over the world go there and hang out. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard about this biker rally that I want to crash one of these years. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about, TP. The only biker rally that I like crashing is Sturgis. Yeah, that's the one I want to go crash one of these days. Like up in Montana, I knew some bikers in Montana, in Missoula, where I used to live, who went to the Sturgis rally every year, and I just never went. But yeah, one of these days, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They got they do everything out there, and the food, oh, the uh-huh. food. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's the only reason why I love to travel is the food. It's. It's. I'm telling you, it's the uh-huh. food. I mean, I meet some great people. But my God, it's the food. You know, New Orleans, the best gator in the world is down in New Orleans. I did try uh, I the... Uh, yeah, Becca Becca wasn't very adventurous. She liked the burger bar. And uh, <laughs> I tried everything. <laughs> yeah. You got, to, man, you got to go down there and get some of that gumbo, that shrimp. I did. Buffet. Yeah. we No, uh, I, I, I'm glad I did the whole tour, experienced everything. The po' boy sandwiches, jambalaya, dirty rice, boudin, all yes. of it. Yes. Yes. You'll never get it that, that way other than in New Orleans. Everybody else is a mere knockoff. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, a, a Philly, Philly cheesesteak. I don't care yeah. where you go. You're not going to get it better than in Philadelphia. Hey, TP, did you listen to any more Metamorphosis? Um, I have. Um, I'm I'm on like chapter three. Of which story? Are you still on the first story? Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I'm, a lot of times I find myself just, I don't know what planet I'd be on. You know, I've been dealing with so much here lately. You know, every time I turn around, I get another death notification. So I've been finding myself just drifting off into space quite a bit when I try to focus. Oh, okay. Well, so let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back because it just reminded me that I need to do our commercial break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. I wanted to share with you the great news that you can now get all three of my books on digital download or Amazon print on demand or on Audible. You can get my first book, Because You're Blind, which is the story of how I woke up in 1989 at the age of 12 years old, totally blind, severely brain injured, severely brain injured and paralyzed on the left side of my body and overcame that and a lot of other stuff. And then my second book, Changing My Perspective, is the story of how I overcame a lot of trauma that I was feeling the day I walked out of court on January 25th, 2012, after escaping from that illegal guardianship I was locked under for 15 years in the state of Montana. And then you can also get my latest book, Metamorphosis, which is my first fiction book. In this book, there are six 
short stories, each of them about a different blind character that overcomes a lot of obstacles in her life. And it kind of ties into my own experiences, but I teach a lot in this book about how I overcame everything that I've overcome. And so I really encourage my readers to check it out. And I've gone out of my way to make all three of my books accessible to everybody. So please check them out. And if you could do me the favor of going up to Amazon and writing a review, I would really appreciate it. Um, and you can email me at info at bluebutterflyenterprises.com if you want to get more information. And now back to the show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for staying with us during the commercial break. So Tamar had to uh, go back to work, um, but he okay. wanted me to let you know that he had a lot of fun and uh, we'll talk to you guys again. All right. Okay, great. Okay, Sailor, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Okay, great. And Tipe, you're still with us. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing well. I, um, I have uh, what's trending now. I've I started to find out, you know, uh, what's going on um, as far as all the streaming services that we use. The one that uh -huh. had the most uh, movies with uh, audio describer is Netflix. Uh huh. So, um, um, so if you like to watch movies and need the AD like I do, then um, if it's if it's available only on Netflix, those all automatically have AD. And what's trending right now is uh, a movie called Savages. Uh, the Departed is trending. Oh. The Irishman, Den of Thieves. Um, oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen these movies, I encourage you to go watch them. This audio description stuff is awesome. It is. It is. It's awesome. I just wish I had more time to watch movies because there's so much stuff that's available. Now with audio description, it's great. Thanks to these wonderful companies like Netflix. Oh, yeah. And, and then, like, um, a really good one that I recently with Tom Hanks called The Terminal. That's the AD on that is superb. Uh, it's pristine. Yeah, it really drives me crazy because now I'm writing. Like before I went blind, I was such a bookworm. I never watched TV, right? Because I could read all the time. And mm -hmm. now that I'm writing, now I'm not watching TV because I'm so busy writing all the time. But now that I have all these great audio described movies available, it's really great. And I really hope people are taking advantage of it. I know I do. Uh, I, I, I'm not interested in a film uh, or any type of programming that don't have audio describer. Oh, me neither, dude. That's why I don't even, like, I watch the news. That's all I watch on TV because, well, either that or, like, when I have time, I'll go look for an audio described movie, but most of the time I, I read or write, so. Right. But, but, you know, I was in high school. And, like, this was during the first few years of my blindness, because I went blind when I was 12 years old. So when I was a teenager, I was listening to um, talking books from the Talking Book Library in Helena, Montana. And I remember, I think I was 16 or 17 the day that I came home from school, and my mom told me about this audio-described movie that the Talking Book Library had sent us. And I have to be honest with you guys. Most of the audio described movies that they had available, they were, it was a very limited selection and most of them were movies that didn't interest the teenage girl. Right. And so I really gave up on audio description when I was a teenager and then I became an adult and got busy doing other things. And now that it's so readily available, I definitely plan on gorging on it one of these days, but I'm probably gonna have to get sick and be stuck in my jammies for like 48 hours or something to be able to really dig into it <laughs> what you do is you find a series that's really good 
Uh, uh-huh. Like the one that I'm binging right now is called The Sinner. The Sinner or Center? Sinner, as like as in the, He Who Sins. Oh. But uh, it's about this detective that just really, he can pick apart any case and, and he's really good at it. And uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It, um, it's definitely binge worthy. And it's, it's audio described? Yes. Yes. I only on watch Netflix? audio described. And it's on Netflix called The Sinner. The Sinner. That sounds like a great, great flick. So I yeah, encourage so our viewers to check it out. Yeah. Excellent Net- suspense, drama, detective type thing. Oh, yeah. This Netflix is really great. You know, we have so many great options available to us now. It really, it's shocking for someone like me who's been blind for like for over 30 years. And I know people who've been blind much longer than me. And I'm sure they're just as in awe as I am at all this technology dude because those of us who've been blind for over 20 years we were blind before we had all this technology and yes yeah you know what i'm talking about don't you sailor audio description yeah yeah isn't audio description fabulous it is and and the fact that it's so easy to use now and so easy to like just turn it on i love these these ipads and these iphones and, and the computers and the computer technology that we have available to us now, because thanks to these big corporations like like um, Freedom Scientific, that's the company that made the JAWS program that I use every day for my writing that's ter- changed my life, right? right. And, and the Apple Corporation made the iPhones that, that have voiceover in them that made them so accessible to the blind. And then there's the TalkBack company that made the TalkBack phones that has or the Android, Android phones that have TalkBack in them, right? Right. I prefer and, voiceover better over TalkBack, though. Yeah, me I've too, never me been too. able. I've never, I've never given TalkBack a fair chance, but I know my iPhone can do everything I need it to do. So. Well, I started out with TalkBack because you know I couldn't afford an iPhone, so I was using uh-huh. TalkBack. But then when I went to the VA hospital and took the uh, blind rehabilitation course. They uh, taught me how to use the iPhone. It's so much better than the Android talk. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I've tried Android, and it's a a joke. It's a joke. It's it's, it's much harder to use. Yeah. Uh, Now, Becca, have you you heard of NVDA? It's really similar to JAWS. Yes, I have heard of NVDA, and, and I have to say that that I, I have to agree with you guys, voiceover is way easier to use than TalkBack. But but the iPhones themselves that Apple produces to put the voiceover technology into, the iPhones are a piece of shit anymore. And I really wish the Apple Corporation would make put more time, like spend more time on making their phones better quality because I'm tired of my I, iPhones I, breaking. I have to beg to differ. I have to disagree. I, I, I'm using the same I, this is the only iPhone that I've ever had and it's like over four years old and I've never really? had a problem and it's no. never been broken and it's, it's updated. I keep it updated and I love my phone. Me uh, too. I've never had a problem with my phone. Okay, then that means, well, then I might have this other problem that I suspected I have for my whole life, and that's that I'm a female, and females, like, like when I was a teenager, I remembered my first cell phone, right? Like, I was addicted to that thing, and I spent a lot of time on my iPhone, and I I demand a lot of my screen, like, I'm always swiping and double tapping and doing all our different gestures, right? So it's usually the screen that goes out on my iPhones first. 
And I think, like I said, I think it's because I just demand a lot from my iPhones. As a yeah, my phone, my phone girl. loves me, and like it's done real good. I, I mean, I, my iPad has been through more trouble than my phone has. Like I had a nightmare mm-hmm. one night and kicked my iPad off the stand and broke the screen. Oh, oh ah. no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, now, before I go to sleep, I put it in the case now, just in case I have a nightmare. I, I mean, there's no need to leave it on the stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love oh, my wow. iPad. I love the uh, VA for teaching me how to use the uh, devices. They taught yeah. me how to make sure that I'm good at it and uh, how to, to, to do what I'm doing. I mean, without that course, I couldn't even be a part of this here uh, podcast. Yeah, and now there's another great organization we've talked about, the VA, the Veterans Affairs. What a great organization. The VA here in Phoenix is phenomenal. It's the best. Yeah. And- I mean, Arizona, period, is better than any other state. Really? Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been in other states, and... Uh, when I joined the Army, I joined in through uh, the first time I went in through Wisconsin. And then I, I thought I was going to go back, and I went in through Illinois. But oh. nobody has treated me better than Arizona. Yeah. Arizona I, is, is it. Uh, John McCain did a wonderful job making sure that this state treat the veterans properly. I'm not so sure it was just John McCain. I think our last few presidents have been really good presidents who've supported the VA and made the VA has good has the funding they need, I think. Yeah, I'm just saying with John McCain being yeah. a veteran and the senator for this state, you know, he mm-hmm. he, he he showed a lot of love to veterans here. Yeah, and I, I've been to I spent a lot of my life in Montana and Minnesota as well. And I have to admit the VA services here in Arizona seem to be far better than what my friends and family that were in Minnesota and Montana always used. Yeah. And I've had vets in my family my whole life. All four of my parents have vets, and brothers and sisters. So, Right on. Thank them all for their service. Oh, yeah. I, I was raised to honor, respect, and love our vets. And, you know, like, serve our vets just like they serve us. So, like, if you, if you see a vet in need, you give them the shirt off your back because he did it for you, right? So. Um, well, um. And, what else is going on in Becca's world? Um, well, I'm just working on my next book right now. Um, I'm so excited because I, I bet I'll be done with it in a month. Um, I'm just w- struggling really hard with this really important short story I'm writing. And then I just have to write this one. This other short story is going to be real easy. That's just about my tips about writing. Because okay. I've had a lot of I've had a lot of people ask me over the years to share my tips with writing with them and passing and stuff, and so mm-hmm. I figured since I'm writing another short story collection that I would just include a little short story at the end of this series uh, with my tips for amateur writers because I found uh, some really easy tricks to help me like edit my own manuscript and and how to put my stories together better you know because I'm working on my fourth book right now and. So over time, I've just learned a lot, and I just feel like your, I can just help people. Your fourth book? What's your fourth book going to be about, Becca? It's it's so my first two books were were memoirs, and my third book was a short story uh, series, and my fourth book, the one I'm working on right now, is another short story series, and like three of the stories from this series are 
are sequels to three of the stories in Metamorphosis. Um, so it's, it's like the continuing story of three of the characters from Metamorphosis. So in Metamorphosis, I'll tell you guys which three characters whose stories I continue to tell in this next book. Like, so in Metamorphosis, I tell Penny Plummer's story, um, her time between high school and becoming, you know, and what happened to her, right? So in, in this next book, I tell the second part of Penny's story. And what I tell in this book is I, I give a detailed account of Penny Plummer's time in the Community Bridges program in Missoula, Montana. And I talk about, you know, the things she learns in the program as a brain injured client going through it. And I talk about her thoughts and her feelings and stuff and the stuff she realizes about herself and the stuff she realizes about the world. Because it's like a coming of age story. And and so that's that's how I tell the second part of Penny Palmer's story in this next book. And then I in, in Metamorphosis, I told the story of Beth Green and her husband and their fight to protect their their baby from this greedy lawyer, right? And and their fight to to escape from the guardianship that was abusing them and stuff, right? And and so I tell the first part of that story in Metamorphosis. Well, in this book, I'm telling an, another part of Beth's story. I, I talk in this book in great detail about being a blind mother, about doing things as a blind mother, exactly how I did them, exactly how I used my all of my senses as a blind mother. And in the story, I share things like, like how did I potty train my children as a blind mother? I, I give details in there about how I did it. And I've actually given these, the same information to other blind mothers and help them potty train their children, right? And, and that guy. Stuff like that. Woohoo! Because, so see, I always wanted to be a teacher before I went blind, and I still want to be a teacher. And, you know, I've read so much in my lifetime, and God gave me the ability to type well because I learned how to type well after I went blind. And so I'm teaching through my writing. And and a lot of people say, oh, how many books have you sold? Becca, but it's only a matter of time before people Becca, discover them. Wait a minute. Stop, stop, what? stop. Right here. Um, Is that Tamar? No, it's Sailor. It's Sailor. Okay, what's up, Sailor? I want to I want to snag you and put you on my list to interview you on my podcast that I'm starting up called Hope Without Sight. Because girl, you have overcome so much. You indeed oh. can share stories of inspiration and overcoming adversity. So woohoo! Oh, if Sailor, you, if you want to know inspiration, you should read any one of my books. Oh yeah! Oh, oh, back, back, yeah. So back up, um, Brandon, are you here? Gino, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Sailor uh, so, has something to say to you. So yeah, just someone. If y'all could give me get me Becca's contact info, or Brandon, if you can. Yep. And give Becca my contact info so she could send me a text and email that way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because that uh, I I wanna I wanna look you up. I wanna research you. I wanna I wanna oh, find okay. everything else about you. And if oh, you don't okay, mind, Taylor. Becca, I want you to be on my Hope Without Sight podcast. Woo-hoo! Yeah, so you just like we'll have your people get with my people and we'll figure it out okay my friend because yeah i could definitely be on your hope without sight podcast that sounds great awesome and so um, real quick how did you go blind 
1989, when I was 12 years old, I awoke from a coma, totally blind, severely brain injured and paralyzed on the left side of my body because I had a brain tumor that was allowed to grow out of control on my optic nerve. And it was discovered when I was 12 years old and removed it in an emergency brain surgery. Oh, oh um, that you, 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 and that was the start of everything. Oh, you've overcome so much, Becca. And uh yeah. You have no idea because because let's see, three years after that I was awarded a huge settlement in the state of Montana when I was fifteen. And that's when the lawyers got their grubby mitts into me. And that was a really bad fight. It took me like twenty years because five years after they came into my life they locked me under a guardianship for fifteen years. So there's a lot I have had to share with the world sailor. Oh, you, you were locked under a guardianship for 15 years? Why? It's a long story. It's it's a really, really long story, Sailor. Oh, and okay. that's why I've written my books. But suffice it to say... We should send Sailor uh, your Audible versions so he can listen yeah, to them. All three of my books are on Audible, Sailor, if you want to listen to them. And then we can talk more, okay? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon, yeah, Brandon, yeah, someone, uh, do me a favor. Send me Becca's contact info. Send me all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Books. We could take care of all that when we're off the air. Anyway, so TP, do you have anything else to say before I end the show? Um, no, uh, not at all. Uh, just um, look for uh, on Facebook for the hottest comedy shows in the U.S. and find the show near you and support live stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah, we all need to support our comedians because we need to remember how to laugh in this country, remember how to spend time with our friends and, you know, just be people again, be Americans. So, yeah, it's, you yeah. know, we need we need laughter uh, just to, to, to make it through the day. Yeah, yep. we do. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, right now, I'm just wrapping up my third go round with this China virus and. And let me tell you, this time has been a much more interesting experience than the other two times, but, but I'm surviving it just like we all will survive and come through this. Okay. Some people will die. Yes. But all people will die eventually. It's a part of life. Exactly. I, Becca, yep. I can't agree with you more. The lockdowns yeah. don't work, you know, because right. yeah, you we need to get out there and live our life, but we got to live our life. You're going to die at some point. So my philosophy yep. is. Um, I need to live my life and go out and do my stuff. If I get COVID and I die from it, it was meant to happen. Yep. Now, as blind people, like this, it really doesn't surprise me that so many people at this convention got COVID because trying to have a blind convention and not touch each other is impossible because as blind people, we touch our world. I mean, we see with our hands and anyway yeah. i just want to point that out to our viewers um all right yeah um, but and it's important that we remember to touch each other even with COVID, because we have to touch each other to you know remember like because we're human beings this yeah techno, this virtual shit isn't going to cut it forever you know no okay but let's right. end the show okay guys all right thank well thank y'all so much tp did you want to say something no, I'm just saying thank you and uh, have a great one, guys. Yep, have a great week, everybody. Please be sure to like, share, and hit the subscribe button and go check my books out and check out TP's comedy. Peace out, everybody. That's a wrap.
Thanks for Peace joining out. us on Becca's World. Peace out. Thanks, Sailor and Tamer, for joining us, too. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for watching Becca's World. Please like, 